0: Welcome to NGA Notable Lectures, a podcast offering a deeper understanding of all things artistic. In honor of the exhibition, American Impressionism and Realism, the Margaret and Raymond Horowitz Collection, on view at the National Gallery of Art from January 24th to May 9th, 1999, the Horowitzes joined Nikolai Sikofsky and Franklin Kelly to discuss the history of their collection and its first exhibition since the 1973 show at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Forty-nine American Impressionist and Realist paintings and works on paper were presented, including works by William Merritt Chase, Child Hassam, George Bellows, Maurice Prendergast, and William Glackens. In this conversation, recorded on January 24, 1999, the Harwitzes share how their collection started with a few modest gifts grew with the informal acquisition of drawings and pastels, and became a serious endeavor after their first painting purchase in 1961, a work by Robert Henry. From then on, the Harwitzes have exclusively collected American art. Making the most of their limited resources, the Horowitzes did not want to collect what was fashionable and turned to the work of American artists, which they thought was an overlooked treasure. Good afternoon. You may have guessed we're about to begin something here. Um, <laughs> my name is Franklin Kelly. I'm a curator of American and British painting here at the National Gallery. It's a Pleasure to welcome all of you. I'm joined by my colleague, Nikolai Sakovsky, uh, senior curator of American, British, and paintings here. And most importantly, by Raymond and Margaret Horowitz, who are the sole lenders to the splendid exhibition which is opening today uh, upstairs in this building of American Impressionist and Realist Paintings works on paper, pastels, watercolors, drawings. This is, as you know, since you've obviously come here with uh, some knowledge, a conversation, it will be a conversation about collecting, both what the Horowitzes have done specifically or more generally about some issues of collecting both then and now. So I'd like to start with what's the obvious question, and that is, how did you get started in collecting in this area?
1: Well, like everything else that's important in life, uh, it was accidental and unplanned. <laughs> uh, sure. Ever since college days, uh, Margaret and I had uh, um, an interest in painting and in art. And when, after we were married, we went to the art galleries every Saturday and the museums. And then there came a time when uh, a very close friend of mine who had a collection of American painting but only oil paintings gave us or rather me a Christmas gave me. <laughs> <laughs> well, You could see this is a real partnership. <laughs> you gave Margaret a certain sum of money to buy buy a, a, a painting a few days prior to my birthday. And three days <laughs> A thousand dollars. Never mind talking about. Come on.
2: Listen, I can still make them laugh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, she, over, this went on for a couple of years and she bought for me, or rather my friend bought, uh, a wonderful drawing by Bert Morisot, for instance, which is now in the Chicago Art Museum, and that kind of thing. And that, After a while, we both said that we ought to reciprocate, and uh, the whole trick, of course, was to get him something that was not too expensive, and that was a wonderful work of art, so Margaret spent the whole year looking for a drawing by an American artist. And she came up the first year with a wonderful drawing by Glackens, and the next year by a wonderful drawing by George Bellows, each for a rather modest sum of money. But by that time, we had also read a great deal about this period of American art, and American life, and uh, after the second of these presents, Margaret said, why don't we take a a flyer with the same thing? So we got started, and we bought initially uh, drawings, pastels, watercolors, rather inexpensive by uh, Tuchman and uh, Glackens and Shin, and it was never a very serious uh, endeavor. And I had never thought of us being collectors. I was a Depression kid, and the whole idea of owning valuable works of art was not something that appealed to me. I thought wonderful works of art belonged only in museums and not in private homes. So it was uh, rather strange that uh, one day uh, we saw a uh, rather startlingly attractive painting at a dealer and uh, this was this... The first painting. This was the ever, very first oil painting we... And
0: this was 1961?
1: 1960 or 61. Um, no, I've forgotten exactly. I think 61. It's a painting by Robert Henry. Um, um, the style is certainly not representative of Robert Henry later on, um, and we knew enough then, even then, to know that it was not characteristic of Henry, but uh, it didn't make any difference. And even though it was quite a bit more than the works on paper that uh, we had acquired, uh, we felt irresistibly drawn to it, and we bought it. Um, and that's the very, very first painting, and I think it's fair to say that From that time until the present, our taste has remained more or less the same. Not a conscious effort to do this, but it was unconsciously drawn to this kind of work. Uh,
2: And aside, okay, (laughs) I didn't sleep for a whole week after we bought that. I said, what is a lawyer doing? Spending that kind of money on an oil painting. <laughs> and um, but we still.
0: And what's the it. answer? Did you come up
3: with it?
1: <laughs> well, I well, still one, have a
3: lot of sleepless nights since then.
1: But one of one of the one of the aspects of collecting, uh, I guess, is that you really don't need cash. You need credit. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess I had credit, uh, and many times we would buy a painting, and we I didn't have a nickel at the time, but well, right. uh, well, well I mean, <laughs> 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 I mean to to pay out of the but the, the dealers in those days were all very um, sympathetic, and they gave us time to pay if we wanted it, and of course everyone ultimately did get paid, uh, so that there wasn't any question about. It. But there there is a a famous definition, I think, of of a collector, and that is a person with an obsession and debts. (laughs) And we always, I was always in debt to the dealers or the banks. I just Uh,
2: started to dress nicely (laughs) the last few years. It's true.
0: Tell, Margaret, why don't you tell us something about how when this got when this ball got rolling, what would you do during the the, the week, say the You know
2: darn well what
3: I do. <laughs> they, don't they don't
2: know. Well I we happen to live in the middle of Manhattan where all the dealers the American dealers were. And so it was easy for me to wheel a baby garage and stop in at a dealer's. So I really, from the very beginning, I have been looking at American paintings. Raymond used to come on Saturday, and I would be busy all week. And then do a little marketing on the side.
1: (laughs) And every once in a while, I would steal away during the course of a day. Uh, busy day and go to a dealer uh, and see something that Margaret had already told me about that I was excited to see, so that it was a genuine partnership from the beginning until now. No, (Laughter) <laughs> <I> mean, Continuing. Show <laughs> some more pain right, (Laughter)
3: <laughs> can you can you say something, Ray, about about why American? Uh, well, and, I, and maybe describe a little bit the situation when you began well, collecting uh, yeah, in the well, early 60s.
1: I, first of all, um, with my makeup, I couldn't I couldn't follow the crowd. I, I, even then, uh, the emphasis on uh, abstract painting was quite marked, and also people of a certain uh, quality of I like French Impressionist paintings and it was those were the popular things to collect and two things, one that I didn't want to do what everyone else was doing and also I had limited resources and this was a field I thought that had been overlooked. Um, actually the field of American art turn of the century American art had been neglected you, it was the examples you saw were pretty punk uh, Even in museums, they were not uh, terribly good, and you had to be quite selective and determined to find out um, the good examples. But you knew after a bit that there were wonderful examples. And one of the important pictures that triggered our interest was a painting by Theodore Robinson in the Metropolitan Museum of Art, a view of Giverny. And uh, we both said to ourselves, people are crazy not to understand and appreciate This kind of painting, and we thought it was beautiful. We thought it was meritorious in terms of world art, not only in a provincial way. And when we decided to stick with it, it was really Margaret's decision. I had a more. um, I was. I could have gone in the direction of uh, French drawings, German expressionists, but Margaret thought we should stick to one. principle in one field, and we have done so, and we've been very pleased to do it. Does that answer the question?
0: (laughs) This is uh, an early painting by George Bellows that's called Swans, and it's a scene in Central Park. Um, A number of the... Well, go ahead, Ray.
1: This was painted by George Bellows as a quite young man in 1906, when he, soon after he came to New York, he had not yet become a flourishing painter which he soon became and uh, this is painted with a much more impasto which does not characterize many of our paintings. Uh, There are still, I found them just a couple of weeks ago, swans in Central Park. It's not a conceit, they (laughs) do exist. There's,
0: There's a photo in the catalog of children feeding the swans and I actually, I found out where the swans in Central Park came from. They were gifts in the 19th century from uh, two German cities. So I called the historian of Central Park. I wanted to tell you that the swans in Bellows' picture were the direct descendants. (laughs) And the historian of of Central Park said, you know, I get questions every day about this place, and no one has ever asked that question before. (laughs) And I said, well, do you think with DNA we could check them out? (laughs) Well, here's another Bellows from much
1: yeah. much later, a portrait yeah. of his... This his. is a portrait of Emma, his wife, and you can see it's painted with great love and care, and it's full of uh, feeling, and uh, we're very fond of it, as you can surmise. Uh, it is this a
0: op- painting that, when where you, had you been looking when... This came along for a a Bellows portrait, or it just was. I
2: don't think we ever looked for any specific artist. If we saw something we loved, but I don't think we ever said, "Oh, we would like
1: to have a portrait." Mm But you know, we we never felt we never felt one. We had to fill gaps. We never felt we had to have portraits or this, that, or the other thing, Uh, and we had certain very definite likes and dislikes with, for instance, many people think that we have collected members of the eight or members of the ten. The fact of the matter is that quite a few members of those two groups are not represented even by a single drawing in our collection so that we never felt we had to have a historical collection or had to have a number of portraits or landscapes or seascapes or works on paper or what have you and um, whatever came along that uh, uh, we were drawn to and we found after a bit that unconsciously uh, after being at it for a couple of years uh, we were not analytical about it but we came to the conclusion that we were drawn to this kind of painting that had a lyrical, joyous quality of what Nick has called huma- a feeling for humanity um, and to put it in a highfalutin way, but um, <laughs> we we were drawn to this kind of painting uh, unconsciously we didn't go out and say we want to do this. we found ourselves drawn to it, and we continue to be drawn to this painting
0: and then what, are there then there's certain artists that must across many many aspects of their work must fulfill those kinds of Oh yes, uh, one thinks of Chase, and I think we have oh, yes. also Lafarge. Um.
1: Now this is this is a painting that Margaret especially likes. In fact, in, you found me on the in floor. In fact, I I, I I was walking from lunch one day, and I decided to go into a gallery which is located up to, was then located uptown, and I found unexpectedly my wife on the literally on the floor. <laughs> I said, what the devil is going on with you? And, and she said, well, just look, you know. I said, well, I, I Lafarge. She said, we bought the painting. I said, what do you mean we bought the painting? <laughs> Have you, do you know what the price is? She said, I don't care. <laughs> so I, that was a very good position to be with the dealer, you understand. <laughs> I, actually, we... We had established a certain kind of profile with the dealers and really didn't make any difference. We were known never to bargain. We never bargained for a painting. We either asked the best price and walked away or accepted it so that we were treated by the dealers who knew the way we did business as it were, that they would quote a price and that was it. We would never never haggle about it or trifle about it and so I wasn't all that critical, but because I knew that the deal had known that uh, that was our posture. But I knew the,
2: you would love it anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and no, I, there was no question. And I, and I certainly, certainly did. And of course, this has been exhibited numerous times in many uh, exhibitions. And one of, our, well, I can't say one of our favorites. Many, all of them are favorites. But don't
2: is, ask us our favorite painting, please. <laughs>
1: Uh, but you if, should
3: you should know that uh, uh, everything in the horror which is acquired they, they have to agree on. Uh, yes, it's not Definitely. one or the other. Um, we b- put we, yourselves in that situation, and
1: <laughs> we, both you, have to, we both have yeah. to agree. And the fact of the matter is that we usually do. There've been a very few instances when we have not, and of course I've been, the, I've been on the wrong side of these.
2: <laughs> oh, <Of course. laughs> Very few. <laughs> yeah.
1: Now, this is a portrait of William Eric Chase and Pastel. And uh, this is one of the very few... Self-portrait. Per- self-portrait. One of the very few uh, works of art we bought at auction. We're not very good auction buyers. I either freeze or go crazy. And so. <laughs>
2: Did we go crazy? I, I went crazy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I went crazy with this because well, we thought I thought it was so great. I it was so great. I was sitting there. I was estimated some cuckoo, cuckoo number, and um, I kept going and going and going and going. And then afterwards, I found out that the underbidder was Joseph Hershorn. Ah. And I said, "My God, what have I done?" I, <laughs> but I, I'm so pleased that we have it because this is the painting that I salute every morning and when I come back it's a kind of a touchstone of uh, my affection for Chase and for the whole era of American art and for our collection so and Chase as you can see used uh, pastel like paint this was not the wispy kind of pastel that Whistler used Uh, that's also very beautiful I wish we had a Whistler pastel I was, when we had a chance to buy it, I was, we were too green. But the fact is that this is a distinctive way of doing pastels, as I think Nick and Frank have noted. And uh,
2: The PP is, uh, stands for Painters in Pastel, their little insignia on the top right.
0: And this, this was in the first exhibition of that yeah. group. It was a New York group of... It didn't, of it
1: didn't last too long. It was uh, just a few, a few years. years yeah. but it, And that distinctive mark, which originally people couldn't make out, they thought it was a skull or whatever, and the historians did did all the work and found that it was painters and pastel. But it's a... I think America, the Chase pastels are unique and they are on a par, I think, with many of the... Paintings by the great French painters, so it's not not fair to say that the Americans would should be feel inferior because this is a this medium for this particular artist is as good as they come. it seems to me
0: Another chase it's, a on. it's probably time for a bulb change or
3: something
2: oh you gotta see that
0: there we go there we go is it bright Chase is is central to your collection yes and uh, you have three pastels Pastels, two two oils oils, one watercolor one watercolor
2: and a drawing drawing. that you didn't take
0: (laughs) I wondered if that would come up (laughs) Nick mentioned before. I'll imagine having to get those two to agree, and then imagine Nick and and me in the mix. We did pretty well, didn't yeah. we? I
3: know, I know. About the only thing we didn't take. Was, you
1: know. That's true.
0: This is a chase of um, his wife at their home in Sh- in summer home in Shinnecock on Long Island, and. This was this is a relatively recent.
1: Yeah. It,
2: well, it's since 1973 when we had our show mm-hmm. in the Metropolitan.
1: And this this is of course a a famous uh, a technique of painters to use. The concept of reflection goes back many many years earlier even than the Renaissance, I guess, but certainly then and. Uh, I think Chase does it extremely well. Um, This is, in my view, a wonderful, almost extraordinary work of art. Uh, And typical of how we, the the dealer who was handling this had uh, let someone else have a uh, long, rather long time to, to decide And the dealer himself, the local dealer, had it on consignment from a Southern dealer who had given him a a time period of 30 days to sell it. And if he didn't sell it in the 30 days, uh, the Southern dealer was gonna put it in auction. The local dealer came to us on the 30th day in the afternoon because the first person and only person he had offered it to had still was getting
2: a divorce and he had problems.
1: <laughs> we couldn't come, I couldn't come to grips with the decision in any event. The dealer knew that we could not make up our minds rather quickly, so he showed it to us and even though it was rather steep and again I didn't have the funds right away but I said we're going to buy it and we bought it on the spot. It took about five seconds to decide. So we saved the, the skin of this dealer who otherwise would have had to give it up and go to auction, but it was so irresistible that um, we just had to have it, and it's one of, I think, well I shouldn't say one of our favorites, but it, it, I think it's a distinguished piece of, uh, of art, and we're so lucky to have it.
3: It hangs in the same room, I might say, with, with Bellows' portrait of his wife, so, uh, and I think they're very uh, sympathetic, and both very, very profound, probing psychological portraits. In the same room at the Horowitz's apartment, <laughs> not here.
1: Now, this is this is a uh, Chases uh, well-known painting called "The Fairy Tale," and this is Margaret's undoubted favorite painting and probably the signature painting of the collection. So, I let her say a few words about it.
2: Okay, I'll tell you how I found it. <laughs> I knew the delivery boy from the, and he was and I saw him on the street and I said, Tony, anything good at the gallery? He said, I think a chase just came in and I ran to the gallery, saw it, almost fainted, called up Ray, I don't care about your clients, you got to come to the gallery and he came and we bought it.
1: And it it is a it's a I think an expressive uh, painting of the quality that we describe as lyrical it uh, has that feeling and and, uh, you want to start to tell tell us a little more about the aesthetics of the painting
2: (laughs) what do you mean (laughs) you don't have to tell us any
3: even the delivery boy knew right right (laughs) Ah. Yeah. Well that's
0: gotten a big
1: yeah. big response, this yeah. one.
2: The nice thing about this painting is that it will be in the National Gallery permanent collection in a few years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is a child Hassam of the Isle of Shoals, uh, Poppies, eighteen ninety one. And you already had in the collection a pastel. We have a
1: pastel yeah, of, yeah. Uh, of poppies Poppies yeah. and Isle of Shells. Uh, the pastel, for well, this is a, a, not, a rather recent acquisition, actually. And the pastel of the same subject, for one reason or another, and I could never figure it out, always attracted the European uh, visitors to our home uh, more than almost any other single work of art. But we think that the poppies are so attractive. And you may remember that Monet did quite a few studies of poppies. Um, and some of the most ravishing Monets do have poppies as their an element. Mm-hmm. And maybe subliminally we were drawn to the idea of poppies having seen it in masterworks. But I think that regardless of that, we would have been instantly drawn to this. And the dealer who the dealer who did make it available to us told us that he could have, you know, sold it to twenty other people. And he, so some of the dealers were wonderful to us, and possibly because of uh, something I said earlier that we never bargained because it was easy for them. Uh, I'm told that sometimes the clients of certain dealers were very tough, but we never. So we got a, we got the crack at this because. Well, just because the dealer wants us to have it.
0: And I th- think it's also important that that through your efforts and looking and buying, you had created for many of these dealers the notion of what a Horowitz picture was. Yeah.
1: Well, we, <laughs> we I guess that's probably true. Uh, the we had had an exhibition actually of, of many of our paintings. In 1973 at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, but before that, before that, uh, in 1966, um, there was. Uh, let me let me, let, let, let me go. Let me go yeah. back. In those days, in the 60s, there was a tradition at the Met of some alone shows, and what that, what those were were. Exhibitions largely of French blockbuster paintings by the most eminent collectors in the city, who parked the paintings in the summer when they were away at the Met, and there were never, never any American pictures included. Who in knows? We were in that year, 1966, I think, moving to another apartment, and we asked the dealer, the curator rather, of American painting, Stuart Feld, to. Uh, uh, housed the paintings temporarily where we were moving, and yeah. he consented and he, he put them in the basement at the Met. Uh,
2: Just for a As, short a, time, as yeah. an
1: accommodation to us. Um, the assistant curator of European painting, not American painting, accidentally came across this uh, in the group of um, paintings in the basement. He said, Gee whiz, what, what's all this about? And he asked Stewart, and Stewart said, "Well, the people across the street have them, and they're parking them here temporarily, and while well, they're moving." And
2: but he didn't know they were American.
1: He didn't either. even know they were American. He asked Stewart, "Do you think they'll be willing to lend to the Summer Loan Show?" Well, we're of course delighted to do that, and we were surprised, delighted to find when the Summer Loan Show opened that there was a room with about 15 of our paintings so that it was in the, in the exhibition within an exhibition. And it was after that that some of the dealers began to say that clients had drifted in and, and began to say they were looking for a Horowitz picture.
0: Uh, <laughs> and the dealers but, say the Horowitz always find them first.
1: <laughs> but in any event, we can date the, date the, the uh, interest rather in earlier than the 73 exhibition at the Met, I think because of that little sub exhibition. Uh, okay. This is a, uh, a pastel by a, Robert Blum, oh. although the he's now pronounced the name is now pronounced Bloom by the person who's doing. Why, the, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> by the person who's doing the catalog resume. Uh, we uh we would we as you know could, can tell we've drawn to pastel, and this uh is a our view an exceptional pastel um, Robert Blum had been one of the first uh, Americans Lafarge had preceded him of course to go to the far east, although Blum had been to Japan and had done work extensively there. this is one of the works he did in uh or As a result of his uh, visit to Japan, and we had had another another Blum, uh, also pastel. uh, Not as good. Not as good. good. We when we cut this, we parted with the other one. We gave it to a museum. But so we met. uh, I thought we better not mention (laughs) it. These August. Where's the (laughs) Met? <laughs> we've actually,
0: you, you have we've, done some upgrading of
1: yes, yes. We've, over the years we, we over even the years sold one or two. over the years we have uh, as a matter of fact given literally dozens of paintings away uh, to museums, and occasionally we've sold things. now what you say upgrade I mean, once in a while you make a mistake, Frank and, but and we have made mistakes, of course. In swapping, but uh, by and large, we have tried to upgrade. And also, we we have have had an interest in giving these paintings to uh, en- endless museums. We've given them to Brooklyn, Newark, the MAD, even uh, L.A. All oh, yes. all the museums which have an interest in American art, at one time or another, have received um, paintings from us. And even the Whitney and. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: that's really now, Theodore
0: good. Robinson is another of your particular yeah. favorites, as, and you have a very wonderful group of works by him <laughs> in, in various media.
2: That's the Riverside Yacht Club in Cosco, Connecticut, Kaskob, uh, Connecticut. Yeah. in the background.
1: And this I, th- this, I think, is as close as any... American artist has come to combining of the French broken color and the French impressionist technique with the uh, singular American directness uh, which characterizes so much American painting and also an almost high horizon which also is a continuous thread through American painting from the beginning to to even to the present but we have always been attracted to Theodore Robinson's very soulful um, painter, we think, a w- wonderful, affecting person personally, unfortunately, he died at quite early age because he had asthma. But of all the all the the painters that personally have who have appealed to us, he's most uh, uh human, the most uh, f- in effect thoughtful too, I think. Reading his diaries, as Nick has done uh, at, the, at the Frick, you get the feeling he's an exceptional person. Uh, in addition to being a wonderful artist, and so we're the, very pleased to have. Uh,
0: it was the painting you mentioned earlier, his view of Giverny. That
1: yes, that yes. stimulated at the Met. Uh,
2: yeah. yeah. We used to visit that painting nearly every Sunday. Yeah.
0: And uh, this one's a bit different than yes, this is this is what we've seen thus far.
1: This is more like uh, paintings by influenced by Manet or Velasquez. We were also
2: tell uh, so the name.
0: This Alfred oh, Mauer.
1: I'm sorry. This is a painting by Alfred Maurer or Mora called At the Shore. I had I had seen this painting in reproduction in. Biography of um, uh, Alfred Moore by Elizabeth McCausland and I was taken with it so
2: it was, um,
1: that I dreamed about it and literally dreamed about this particular painting and one day the dealer who had in those days uh, the early works of Alfred Moore called me and told me to come and of course I saw the painting and bought it in a second uh, it's one of the most... Uh, interesting and a little different in the sense that it has a more quote realist um, rather than impressionist uh, technique um, there is an organ grinder um, mm-hmm. now, we'll the beam, use the laser. now you can use the laser beam we wonder what we could
0: use it for <laughs> this man and you see the, the, <coughs> the stick. stick that his organ rests on is the reason all these individuals have gathered around and that you have to go see the painting <coughs> There's a little wonderful flash of red and brown that turns out to be his his monkey, with a hat, as I say, to be passed later. Um, so that explains what's going on. A wonderful touch. Yeah.
1: Now that 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 uh, touch is no longer present, but when I was a kid, they, they did have a and uh, well, the, mm-hmm. this is,
0: well, this is this well, is we're not sure where, but one of the close-in beaches uh, to the city. Coney Island, Rockaway, thought, Far Rockaway. Usually thought
1: to be Far Rockaway. This was the only painting owned by a famous German yeah. German dealer uh, who handled uh, German expressionist painting. The only Kurt Ameri- Valentin. Kurt Valentin, who was one of the great dealers of the 20th century, the only American painting he owned. He had swapped this with the dealer for a piece of sculpture. Otherwise, he probably would have continued to have it, but we were lucky to get it I think because
0: it's absolutely a lot of the people who've, who are here on staff who have seen the exhibition have immediately been drawn to this painting and I'd say the staff here prides itself on knowing most artists but a lot of the staff here had never heard of this artist Dennis Miller Bunker and yet were absolutely astounded when they saw this mm-hmm. picture
2: well, it has an inner light.
0: It does indeed.
2: That's uh, very. Th- Our daughter is getting that. I know. <laughs>
0: I was so glad to meet your daughter this week.
1: <laughs> now, Dennis Bunker would have gone on to become one of America's greatest painters, but he died at age 28 or 29. 29. 29. Mm-hmm. And, but this is, uh, and there was a wonderful exhibition of his work in uh, Boston, Boston Emma, uh, Museum of Fine Arts in Boston, and you could see that this, this particular painter would have gone on to become a towering figure in American life had he lived. Um, this is, uh, as you, Margaret mentioned, has an extraordinary inner light and a great tour de force. Uh, and at the
0: time you acquired this painting and you have another Bunker, there was virtually no literature on the, no the artist. Lit- there was
1: no literature on the artist. There were no exhibitions. Very few people knew anything about Bunker and uh, we, uh, we, 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 we had to have it. There was no question about it. Whether he was known or well-known or unknown, didn't make any difference. Mm-hmm. And this is, a, this is a, better, a better known name in American art. This is uh, Maurice Prendergast, and this is a painting, the watercolor he did of Revere Beach, which is a beach, uh, uh beach colonies, or whatever, somewhat like Coney Island,
2: but, uh, outside, of but outside of
1: Boston rather than New York. And we like the shimmering effect of, uh, of what he had done with the with this watercolor. Again, there's a there's a story about every every painting. Um when let this-
2: them buy the catalog. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: don't, I, don't know, <laughs> I don't I don't know if the story, I don't I don't know if the story is in the catalogue. I don't think it is. <laughs> this is again one of the few paintings we bought at auction, we only bought but four or five or six maybe, I don't know but very few uh, and it, it, in those days the dealers some of the dealers in American art would had what called a ring and they would get together and they would kind of just knock it out among themselves after they, one of them acquired it and this came up at auction and uh, the bidding proceeded, and I suddenly, at a certain point, dropped the increments from 2500 to $1,000, each increment, because I thought it was going to go crazy altogether. Uh, and they saw what was going on, and they wanted me, to, if they couldn't get it, they wanted me to pay a retail price, I could tell. And they were going up with me each time. And... Mr. Marion, who was then the auctioneer at Sotheby's, saw what was going on because they sat in the balcony at that time. And he, he saw the interplay. And I finally said, X dollars, raising another thousand. And he said, sold. <coughs> <laughs> Stopping the, 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 the other guys from making me pay the retail price. I'm ever thankful to... <laughs> <laughs> This is a painting by uh, John Singer Sargent uh, of Venice. It's called Gondolier Siesta. Uh, Unlike many uh, Sargent watercolors, the figures are rather well drawn. uh, And I've always been uh, impressed with uh, Sargent, even even when he does the architectural work and... uh, I just regret that we didn't have more uh, sergeants uh, because when we did get this, we could have gotten others. Some of the things you couldn't get at all were very difficult, but you could buy the sergeant architectural watercolors. And I regret we only have one. We have another sergeant uh, that's in the show. It's called the. What is it called again? Anyway, Under the Willows. Under the Willows. It's an early work done in Broadway in an impressionist style. But this is a... And, uh, for, you There's
2: going to be a fabulous sergeant show Coming here. very soon. Yeah.
1: And this, this was in the show, beginning at the tape, but was withdrawn uh, from this venue, which is coming next month, so there could be in this in our collection, and this will go on at the end of our collection, to MFA Boston, where the Sergeant Show will travel after it has concluded its stay in Washington.
0: We started with the first oil painting that you oh, yes. acquired, the Robert Henry.
1: And this is the last, well, most, the most, most recent. Not <laughs> the <laughs> last, <laughs> the most, most, recent. most recent, I should say, the most recent uh, painting. Tworkin. This is by Twachman and has all the impressionist elements that you've seen in other paintings uh, which have been displayed here and again we saw it and acquired it instantly that, uh, we don't really think about things too much and uh, it hits us right away and this, this did too um.
2: We've had a lot of fun
1: Yes <laughs> Good Maybe just one more question
0: would be. Um, people are always talking about, oh, in the good old days, or if, I mean, there are a lot of people who collect now, and um, there well, must be advantages and disadvantages to what they have to face.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I I think in the in the in the reminiscence I have in the catalog, I say that there was it. There were differences. Uh, there was let me let me go, backtrack a little bit. Uh, in the old days, the collectors knew each other, and there was a great deal of collegiality, and you traded information. One of the differences between then and now is that all the collectors of American art, virtually all of them, know each other through membership and overlapping support groups at the different museums. But there is virtually no collegiality um, and no trading. They hate
2: it. each other. <laughs>
1: They all love you, though. <laughs> but the thought—the thought that the thought that in the, in the good old days you could buy everything for nothing—and uh, and now they're so expensive—is not really accurate. Um, the first of all, in the good old days, the wonderful pictures were very hard to find. They continued to be hard to find. You had to pay a premium price then, as you have to pay a premium price now, and. The, the fact of the matter is that these great examples are in short supply, they were in short supply then, they're in short supply now. However, one of the things that is significantly different, and I didn't mention it in the catalog, but it did occur to me in the little few months since, is that nowadays these paintings are regarded as assets and more than as works of art. And I must tell you that when we first started, the idea that these would become valuable was one of the most distant things in our mind. Our test was: could we afford to lose half the money? Not that it would ever. Be, we never dreamed they would become valuable. And um, since we, the common assumption is the dealer makes at least 100% profit, we figured: well, if we ever came across uh, hard times or whatever it had to sell, could we get half of our money back? So that is a significant difference Mm. between then and now because now, as I say, the concentration on the investment aspect of this is much greater than it was then. Uh, I don't think it's for the the better, but there it is. But we've had a lot of fun and uh, one of the other aspects uh, of, of this adventure has been all the by-products, of which are almost as valuable as the paintings. All the wonderful people we've gotten to know, like Nick and Frank and all the other museum people and scholars, other collectors. And the reading and the looking that enhanced our life has been of immeasurable pleasure to us. And we're very pleased to, to have it here at the National Gallery an institution for, whom, for which we have enormous affection and the highest regard. Thank, Thank you. you.
2: Thank you.
0: Margaret and Ray agrees. <laughs> they said they would like answer. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> a, few <questions. laughs> a few questions. They would answer a few questions or maybe not answer them if they don't want
2: to. <laughs> don't ask how much anything costs.
0: Somebody there? The the question is how how you display the works that are here in your own home and, and you know what I think what sensibility you have in terms of how what determines where goes this oh, picture. I,
1: Margaret Margaret is responsible for the hanging. It's not in any
2: chronological order because, first of all, a whole collection is of one period so that that wasn't necessary. I just, whatever looked best in a certain place, that's all. I do keep all the works on paper, which includes the watercolors, the drawings, the pastel, away from the windows because I didn't want any sun to get at them, to fade them. But uh, outside of that, it's an aesthetic um, choice. You know what looks best wherever. Uh,
1: yes. Uh, Sorry. When did you buy? When was the auction where you bought the uh, painting by Chase, self-portrait? When, when, uh, so in the yeah. in the sixties. And also, how do
3: you deal with the insurance? That must be a real challenge.
1: No, the insurance is not a challenge. Uh, we don't we don't have a scheduled policy we have a uh, policy with a, a certain amount i don't i don't know how it's designated and with a very high deductible to reduce the premium because we don't, i don't care about a small loss i only care about a big loss and of course it's not insured for the total value because the premium would be too high but uh, it's a calculated judgment um, but it's uh, it's not. It's not a great problem. Yes, ma'am. I don't know how, how do you, I, you, I don't think it's explicable and explainable. You can describe it, but you can't explain it. Uh, as, an, as an undergraduate, I was taken with uh, uh, Mars Shapiro. Uh, not Mars. Uh, Mea Shapiro, Mars's brother. Maya Shapiro was a fabled, uh, as you may some of you may know, Storm. art historian. And he made um, paintings come alive and be of such great interest that, and I wandered into his classes, and I think that may at have Columbia. been at Columbia College, uh, and that may have been the genesis for this. Um, Margaret, on the other hand, was under the, uh, under the tutelage of an equally uh, significant um, universalist kind of teacher, Bernard Myers, who had done the catalog world art and encyclopedia of of art so that both of us at a rather early age had encountered wonderful mentors and that may have been the genesis for our interest subsequently
2: there's a guy up there one more question yeah there's a guy up there
1: way in the back you mean yeah
2: (laughs) why don't he
0: how many women artists are in the collection well
2: go see the collection (laughs) (laughs) We don't, do not have Mary Cassette, unfortunately, because we could never afford the one we would have
1: wanted. But there is... There no, are,
2: you know, like the greatest.
1: Anyway, there, <laughs> we, we did try to get one, but we lost that. But there is Cecilia Bowe, uh, which Lillian. has a pastel, and a Lillian Westcott-Hale drawing, uh, which is also included um, upstairs in the collection. And I guess... At the moment. Well, at home we have... At the home uh, we have another woman, another artist. woman artist named Anna Eliza Hardy. We're not, not on view here. But there aren't that many... Uh, and you have cassette.
2: Oh, we Prince. have cassette prints <laughs> that I wanted them to take. <laughs> because there's, it took such a long time to find the ideal ones, and they said, no prints. So? <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's
0: true. <We've> ex- <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, we could talk all day, I'm sure. Yeah, okay. but, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, we have talked all day sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> about Casat <that> Prince. Um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we will.
0: <laughs> Certainly, I hope all of you will. Uh, maybe not at one time because you won't physically fit, but we'll get a chance to see the exhibition and uh, thank you for coming and thank Raymond and Margaret. Yeah,
3: I think they had a good time.
0: This has been a National Gallery of Art podcast.